a lot of things happen in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and here in Hoptown captures it all. Tune in for an eclectic collection of stories and discussions about the people, places, and things that make up this city we call home. I have asked William what some of his favorite topics are to discuss, and I know that this person is one of his uh, most beloved um, to to bring up about local history, and it's the one, the only, um, the sleeping prophet, Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey, born in the southern part of the county in a little bump in the road called Beverly at the time um, on March 18th of 1877, would go on to become uh, really one of the most I would say in the top two, three most well-known people to ever come from Christian County um, in his life and work as a psychic and as a clairvoyant. Um, Edgar could put himself into a trance, and while in that trance, he would give what was known as a reading, and he could tell things that he did not know in a waking state. He also, when he woke up from a reading, didn't remember anything he said. Um, So it was quite the... um, the process and quite the body of work that came out of um, his lifetime, a body of work that's still used and studied today. He gave readings for people about their health, did a lot of things with holistic health, um, and we're just thankful and proud that Mr. Casey started his life right here. Started it, like I said, in Beverly, about where you live, William Turner. Yes, within a mile. Within a mile of... Um, where I live. What do you call the house? Whispering Pines. Within a mile of Whispering Pines, the the Turner Homestead. Um, And I know, William, that you have um, some deep, deep connections um, to Edgar Casey, not just through the location, the geography, but through your family. So tell us a little bit about how you um, got interested in Edgar Casey. I became interested in Edgar Casey because of one of his first cousins, Lena Jones Wicks who was the co-owner of Wickerson's Ladies' Dress Shop downtown. She lived out on South Virginia, about where we live now, and every morning and afternoon she would pass our house walking to and from work. Well, one day she stopped. I was on the porch, just a teenager, and she said, William, do you know that you're kin to Ed Casey? I said, no, I don't know that. Well, she said, you're going to find out about it. Well, that was my real introduction to the study of genealogy. And she really was a good teacher. And uh, education was a distant cousin on two sides of the house, as you and I say, when we deal with the (laughs) Rogers and the Turner. Yes. Uh, I was kin to him on the major side. My mother was a major, and her grandmother was a Casey. And so on those two sides, we were kin. Edgar Casey was born just south of Beverly Store, as you mentioned the date. And uh, when he was a teenager, he moved to Hopkinsville to go to work in uh, the bookstore of uh, Hopper and Kitchen. Oh. Hopper and Kitchen stood on Main, which is now uh, right next door to City Hall, right here. Oh, yes. And so he worked at uh, the bookstore. And there exhibited real talent. Uh, he, As books would come in, he would shelve them. He would have a photographic memory of where he put them. And so when someone would come in and ask for a particular book, oh, yes, it's right up here, and he'd go right to it. Well, as he would shelve the books, he would kind of page through and look at them and develop some idea of what the contents were like. And so he would 
say to the prospective customer, now this is such and such a book, and this is the theme, this is what you'll find in it. Well, that was a great uh, benefit in helping sell books. Well, one day, a young lady walked in Hopper Kitchen Bookstore, Gertrude Evans, and they met and became sweethearts mm-hmm. and lifelong uh, soulmates. And uh, so that was the real beginning of education's work here in Hopkinsville. Now, so that was his real beginning of his work, but had he exhibited any um, special gifts as a child? Oh, yes, he had. He particularly had... Um, had the reading book experience. Oh, yes. He was in school and could not uh, remember how to spell the word cabin. Well, his daddy whipped him, was not very kind to him. Finally, Edgar said to his daddy, let me sleep on the book and see if I can learn it. And so they put the book under the pillow. It's 70 lessons of spelling. We have a copy of it in an old Beverly school. And he slept on the book. When he awakened, he could spell cabin and every other word. My word. That was marvelous. Now, then a second uh, incident occurred when uh, uh, his daddy met on the street one day in Hopkinsville a former U.S. congressman, Jim McKenzie, Quinine Jim, they called him. And uh, Casey and and, uh, McKenzie struck up a conversation, and McKenzie had heard about Edgar's, about uh, Leslie's unusual son. And so the two men talked about the famous speech that uh, McKenzie had made in Congress calling for the repeal on quinine. Quinine was a particular medicine given to children who had chills. Mm. There was a tax on quinine. It came from Peru. And... uh, was expensive. So McKenzie made a speech that convinced Congress to remove the tariff from quinine. That speech was an hour and a half. And so the two men agreed they would see if they could get Edgar to memorize it, give it from memory. And so uh, the father read the speech to Edgar twice. And then on a given night at Beverly Academy, with a crowd of people, young Edgar, at 13, stood up in front of the group and gave that speech word for word. Wow. It was just phenomenal. People couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand it. Uh, Edgar had imaginary playmates when he was a little boy. That was a big feature of his life. Those imaginary playmates, um, some of the things I've read, um, that they call them the little people. um, Because maybe I'm giving too much of myself. I mean, I had imaginary playmates, but they didn't seem to have the same stories and background that Edgar's did. His so were, did I, but I was with you. Um, or or maybe maybe we did, and we just never um, developed Pursued it, right? It. Um, Edgar said we're all psychic, but some people have the ability to draw it to the surface. Oh, there you go. So Edgar, had um, he had imaginary friends, and those would kind of help guide him. He also had an experience with his grandfather when he was very small. His grandfather, I love his name, Thomas Jefferson Casey. Um, and the, he and Edgar were best buds. And he, um, Edgar witnessed his grandfather's death from being thrown from a horse um, when Edgar was only four years old, I believe. And after that, Edgar would have experiences where he would commune with Grandpa Tom, right? That's right. Um, so he 
he had these gifts. He there are stories about him seeing fairies and angels out in the in the woods there near um, Beverly. Um, and my guess is people thought he was a little strange. Very strange. <laughs> Uh, everyone from the civilian community to the medical community did not understand him. Some things I feel like you just can't understand. Um, it's not intended for us to understand everything. I, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> um, so he, um, oh, before we leave, tell me about Edgar's education. Edgar attended school at Beverly through the third grade. Okay. That, to our knowledge, is the only formal education he ever had. And that Beverly School was, what was it like? Beverly School was one-room academy that uh, had all eight grades. It was a public school. Oh, a public school, and it was a one-room school. One room. And um, it had it had a very, um, in Eckers Day, it had a, a, a very well-educated and professional teacher, though, correct? Yes, a Professor Tom, who had come from Virginia. He was uh, nothing to look at, but, oh, he was a marvel to be in the company with. He was uh, a dynamic personality who drew people to him and was an outstanding teacher. And um, so he was the teacher at Beverly Academy. About how many students do you think were there, give or take? Not more than 50. And Edgar was cousins to? Many of them, probably (laughs) half. It's kind of what I figured. I know you have a picture of um, Edgar Casey um, in a school group beside uh, Beverly Academy, um, and it shows him. Probably he's probably I don't know nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. but um, I, you've pointed out that yeah, half the half of the uh, group are cousins. Now, what happened to Beverly Academy? This the structure. Beverly Academy um, phase was phased out after only twenty years. Wow! And it became uh, a um, tenant house Mm. and my grandfather bought it and moved it over to our farm just from across the road and uh, back in 99 Chris Gilkey and I restored that building and opened it to the public and since then the museum and countless others have made use of it we've had people from all over the world all over the world come and take a look at it I can't imagine what all you've experienced with it. I know I've been with you when um, filmmakers from Japan have been here to film um, uh, stories about Edgar Casey and have come out to the Turner Farm there in South Christian. Um, We did a whole um, event during the solar eclipse. Um, A number of us had uh, Casey themed um, programming out at the the Turner Farm Mm -hmm. with Beverly Academy in the background um, during the solar eclipse in 2017. It's been uh, quite the quite the joy to have that here okay so that's Edgar out in the country so now he moves to town you've got him working at the bookstore he meets his um his his lady Gertrude um and like you said she was Gertrude Evans um tell me a little bit about Gertrude and her life growing up in in Christian County Gertrude grew up out on the east seven out on the Russell Road her grandfather Samuel Salter was the contractor for building Western State Hospital and he remained there as the superintendent of the building for the rest of his life. Now, uh, of course, that connection with the hospital was strong upon that family. They, uh, there were a number of girls in the family, including uh, Gertrude's mother. And Gertrude, the next generation, grew up there. She um, always referred to it as going home to the hill. The hill. The hill. Uh, the 
house stood on the right side of the Russell Road, this side of Western State Hospital. And so it was an indelible part of their lives as long as Edgar and Gertrude lived. They always were drawn back to the hill. To the hill. Um, they were even married at the hill. Yes, they were. Now, this the Salter family, I know Gertrude, um, her last name was Evans, but the Salter um, uh, whole clan, they were very well-educated and very open-minded. And it seems like they really embraced Edgar in all of his strangeness um, in ways that um, may not have been typical for the rest of those who were around him. You have said it well. <laughs> it was very difficult for the community to accept Edgar's capability, his clairvoyancy. And uh, people were very negative about it, especially the medical profession. Oh, I'd imagine. Because he was cutting into their margin of profit. Absolutely. By prescribing a treatment and medicine for people who were sick. And he was doing things that, like you said earlier, that people didn't understand. Unorthodox. Compl- yes, completely unorthodox. So he um, he and Gertrude get married. They live in Bowling Green for a little while. Then they come back to Hopkinsville around 1910, and they are here for a couple of years. And while they're here, um, Edgar um, is giving psychic readings, but he has another profession. And this profession, I would think, um, connects you um, to Edgar even more than anything else. He was... A photographer. You love you some old pictures. Oh, I love old pictures. <laughs> and I love the vast quantity of old pictures that Edgar left. I he mean, he photographs countless personalities in this community so and many. street scenes, which are just my lifeblood. Oh, my gosh. And so those pictures have survived uh, to tell the story of Edgar's hometown at the time he lived here. Now, a lot of those, uh, some of the most iconic pictures that Casey took are from even 10 years before that, when he was here in around 1901 and working for W.R. Bowles. Yes. And he lost his voice and he needed a new job because he was as good of a, a bookstore clerk as he was, one that can't talk. Photography led uh, his uh, loss of voice, uh, carried him into the profession of photography. And he was a fantastic photographer. Yes. So it's very, um, we're very lucky to have not just high quality photographs of Hopkinsville from that time, but literally from the, the through the eyes of Edgar Casey yes, as well. Definitely. Um, we have some of those on display in the museum and a dear friend of mine, she came in and looked at him one day and said, that looks like Teddy Roosevelt. I said, cause it is Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> he came to Hopkinsville <laughs> in 1901 to speak. He was running for vice president and Edgar made his picture. That's right. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, William Jennings Bryan, both. Um, and he's absolutely unmistakable. So, um, again, it's just really fun to not just have the picture, but to know that Edgar Casey was here and took it as well. And so throughout all the years, uh, Edgar Casey was drawn back to Hopkinsville. He left here in 1912 and eventually settled in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He came back here to visit family and friends. And uh, when he died, he was buried here. Absolutely. Now, he passed away in 1945. So you were just a wee pup. And you were five years old. Um, you weren't even five years old when he passed away. You're not four, quite. You were four, four years old. Four. You're just a little baby. <laughs> and so you did not, uh, to my knowledge, ever have the chance no. of meeting him. Have Did you have the um, honor of ever talking to people who knew him? Oh, yes. I've talked to a number of people who knew him and interviewed him. I've talked to a number of people who've had readings. Really? Mm-hmm. So um, anything from that that uh, stands out to you? 
Yes, it, it's just interesting to me that these people would tell me about their experiences, especially health-related, in which they relied upon him to help them out. Um, now, Edgar Casey, he has... You mentioned he moved uh, to Virginia Beach and settled and um, started over time. Well, he opened a hospital that turned into what is known now as the Association for Research and Enlightenment. And I know through them, they refer to him a lot by his work, um, the work that he did. Um, what was he like from what you've learned as a just as a person, like every day walking down the street? He loved to go fishing. He loved. He was yes. a down-to-earth fellow who was friendly uh, with a South Christian brogue. And he was friendly to everyone, especially glad to see anyone from home. I bet. And he was always uh, interested in other people, of what they were doing, and uh, of their welfare. Um, Sounds like we would have liked him. We would have. (laughs) We surely would. Now, um, so he leaves Hopkinsville essentially like as a resident in 1912. So he's been gone from us for a number, um, for well over 100 years now, 112 years, um, Dick said he would come back and visit. This was always home, and he is buried here. What, um, under your um, grand vision, has been done to help remember, um, as Hoptown remembers here, what have we done as, um, as a community to remember Edgar Casey over time? Well, Hoptown has done a great deal, especially through the museum. Beginning back in 92, we began observing a weekend around his birth in March of an Edgar Casey weekend of giving tours, of having speakers come in, of uh, trying our best to make the community more aware of him and understand. How, how, has that, how easy was that to do um, in the early days? Very hard. I kind uh, of imagine. It was difficult to do to convince the public. Uh, we would have more uh, tourists come than locals. And that's probably still uh, true to a great degree. Uh, Edgar Casey is known worldwide. Uh, we hope that through these programs he's become better known locally. And I think um, wholeheartedly that he has. Um, with a big thanks to you and a big thanks to one of your dear friends too, Mr. D.D. Casey, um, that Casey name, we all know it around here, and we all love him. Um, and Dee Dee Casey, um, he was really the driving force um, as far as the Casey family was concerned in the recent past to really keep Edgar's name and uh, legacy alive. Now, you said that the the um, Edgar Casey weekend started in 19, or 1992, but I know you did one in 1977 at the 100 years of his birth. I always love that... Uh, <laughs> Usually when you think of a committee of people, you think of at least five or six. And that whole weekend was put on by a committee of two, William (laughs) Turner and D.D. Casey. And it's one of my favorite things to think about. Um, So that very, very first time in the 70s. That first time we were uh, doing some remodeling at the museum. And so we had the program at the library. Okay. Hugh Lynn, his son, was destined to come, but he had a heart attack just before he came. And so Charles Thomas, his grandson, came. But the real star of the show was Edgar's secretary, Gladys Davis Turner, mm. who was one of the most delightful ladies I ever met. And, uh, of course, was with Edgar Casey's work throughout so much of his life. And she transcribed the readings 
There were 14,000 readings on file at Virginia Beach, and she uh, transcribed every one of them. Transcribed and indexed and just made them... It, Looking at the whole, the work, if you look at the body of work that came out of Edgar Casey, um, Gladys Davis and Hugh Lynn both, they're really the ones I think that we can thank for still talking about them, about Edgar 100 years later. Yes, they definitely saved the work. They did. For the future. And we're so thankful of that. Now, you mentioned the museum doing a, a weekend. We're, we're working on one right now, um, and we're um, hoping to, to pull something together again so we can have a Casey Day and a Casey celebration at the end of March. Um, like you said, we always put it around his birthday, March 18th. We'll have a, um, a remembrance of that. But then that following weekend, we're looking to share some more about Edgar Casey and his, his life here, but then also his impact that um, reaches to every corner of the earth. And we cordially invite the public to come Please to learn come. more about him. Please come. We could talk about Edgar Casey and all of the little nuances to the readings and to his life uh, in ad infinitum, right? Did I say that right? That's a, that's a, there you go. You said a South Christian brogue. There's my accent coming out. We can talk about him forever, and um, and I think we would love to. Um, but we hope that this has kind of uh, piqued your interest a little bit about Edgar Casey and his um, life in Hopkinsville and Christian County, and then what he left with us. I want to speak also to the point of his explanation about the source of his talent. Oh yes, the source of his work. He considered it a gift from God. He had no other explanation. There was no medical training. He just went to sleep and uh, uh, elevated into a different plane and talked about things that he would not understand on the normal consciousness. It, it's just so remarkable to talk about someone from Hopkinsville who were talking about consciousness and planes and going into these deep trances and just how um, just intellectually and spiritually advanced he really um, was and just how lucky we are that we can, the whole world can celebrate him, but only we can say he was from here, that he grew up on, you know, on our on our soil and our dirt, drinking our water and being one of us. And so we're um, proud of proud of being Edgar Casey's hometown and proud of uh, William Turner and Dee Dee Casey for making sure we all know it. We've you've summed it up, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Hoptown remembers Edgar Casey today, and um, we will um, be back and remember some other things with you. Thank you all soon. for listening.